Welcome to Crime Crazy, the weekly true crime podcast with Erin Plyne and Diana Seacon, where we prove that we know nothing about our legal system. Nothing at all, but we are still crazy for a good true crime story. Now I'm really self-conscious about my eyes when I say that. (laughs) (laughs) And I forgot to look at you. I was like, wait, let me pull my story up. And I don't even know if you did it this time. I was trying to look normal, but I couldn't pull it off. So I closed my eyes. (laughs) (laughs) So in other words, you looked way stranger than normal. I think you missed a good show. Oh, damn. We didn't even record that. Oh, man. I don't... Somebody was asking on one of the podcast groups today if people videoed themselves podcasting and released it. And I briefly yeah. thought about it and decided it'd be a real terrible idea. <laughs> um, yes. So I've seen that several times. And that's always my thing, too, is like, well, should we be doing that? I'm not wearing nice clothes. Like, I'm in a pajama top and no bra today. I don't. I was going to say, like, we we don't. I feel like those people get dressed to podcast and we pretty much get undressed to podcast. <laughs> right, right. It's a different kind of podcast. Well, no, but I mean, like, we're both in our bedrooms. Yeah. The kids are asleep. It's time for the cozy. The kids are asleep. Right. Or crazy. Whatever. It's not October anymore. That's true. It isn't. So we're just crazy. Well, yes, that's always true. Although, since it's so damned cold today, I am also cozy because right? we had to turn the heat back on. Right? I don't know what was going on. We went to Art World mm-hmm. and which was probably lovely. We made it to one building and we were like, okay, it's cold. We're going home to take a <laughs> yeah, nap. Yeah, fuck this. Right. But add it to the long right. list of things we don't know anything about. Speaking of Crime Crazy is sponsored by Dave Hat and Seb Bryce. Awesome. Yay! Show sponsor support Crime Crazy through Patreon at the ten dollar per month level or above. Thank you. Thank you so much. A special thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. If you would like to support Crime Crazy, either check us out on Patreon or buy me a coffee. I can, which is a website. I can in the morning, but I can't send that over right now. No, but <laughs> it, it's a website. Oh, it is a great place to make a one-time donation, and links for both of those are on our brand new super fancy website. It's so pretty. Um, we also give shout-outs for reviews. We do not have any new reviews this week, but if you would like to get a shout-out on a future show and a sticker mailed to you, and they're so cute, I have been handing them out like candy. I mean, fair. Yeah. I might have gotten drunk and ordered a thousand. So, guys, send us your address. I'll send you a sticker. Might have. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I definitely did. <laughs> Absolutely. You can follow Crime Crazy on all the social medias at Crime Crazy Pod or visit our fancy new website at crimecrazy.com. You can email Diana at Diana at CrimeCrazy.com. Or you can email me at Erin at CrimeCrazy.com. We're so fancy. It's like we're all official. I know. I like it. I do too. I haven't actually checked that email. Hopefully nobody's emailed me yet. Um, I did, and it was uh, spam from our web hosting service. (laughs) Okay. Well, you know, that's a little bit of kind of like love. I'll email you. Yeah. I'll email you. Okay. Awesome. So, Erin, did you learn anything this week? I did. I learned something really random because I was hanging out on Reddit. (laughs) Always a good start. 
always a good start. So my main interaction with Reddit is um, that our IT guy at work sends me puppies. Mm-hmm doing amazing things and sometimes other animals that are labeled puppies but are definitely like otters or kittens or sometimes cows and things. Mm-hmm. But in this case, I was in another thread, actually the Today I Learned thread because that seemed like a good place to find a thing to learn. <laughs> it does. Um, and I learned something really cool that I guess I didn't know or hadn't really ever thought about. So... You know how they're, when you're looking at like movies, and not so much modern movies, because they actually do this a little differently a lot of the time now, when you're watching footage or when you're watching a movie where they're making a movie in the movie and they use that clapboard. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, the black and white. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And it says like the scene number and what it is and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So I always sort of thought that was there um, to like mark what piece of the scene you were about to start shooting yeah. so that it would be easy to edit. And to some extent it is. But the main purpose is it makes that loud clack, right? Mm-hmm. And that helps you to align the video and the audio when you're <gasps> editing so that everybody's voices and lips sync up properly. Oh, right. That's super cool. Right? And that is very meaningful to me as I spend a lot of time attempting to line audio up correctly. <laughs> also, guys, so sorry I wasn't in the original version last week. <laughs> Although that was a different kind of error. <laughs> I'm Yeah. But it was funny. I mean, it was a ton of engagement. We had so much podcast engagement. It's true. <laughs> I screwed up. <laughs> and now we know that people notice when we don't, well, do actually, it right. I, yeah, no, I did actually, for as much as like I felt like shit for not having put the right episode version up and then being stuck at work and I couldn't fix it up. I also was really flattered at the number of people who were like, what happened to my episode? Right. Why is it <laughs> only Diana? Come on. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Although, should I be insulted? <laughs> uh, I think it was more that they were not able to understand the context of all of your witty and lovely, delightful monologue. <laughs> so, Diana, did you learn anything this week? I learned three things this week. Well, <sighs> overachiever. Yeah. Okay. So thing number one that I learned. We have 974 Twitter followers. Oh my God, that's almost a thousand. It is. And because you're the one who takes care of all the Twitter stuff, because Twitter confuses me. I love Twitter. And because it's your birthday this week. (gasps) It kind of is. It is. It is. It is. No, it totally is. (laughs) (laughs) I want to give you a present, but I need our fans help. All right. Since I don't want to personally create a couple dozen more Twitter accounts. Because <laughs> Twitter confuses you. And that's a little late. And I, like coming up with all those usernames is going to be a real problem. I need the help of our glorious listeners. So if you're listening to this, pause this episode and go find us on Twitter at Crime Crazy Pod and follow us for Aaron's birthday. Woohoo! That would be awesome to hit a thousand before my birthday. It would be. I'm not going to tell anyone when my birthday is. They'll just have to do it real fast. Oh, but I might be able to, I might be about 
to give away when your birthday is. Okay. <laughs> because go the ahead. second thing that I learned today is I looked mm-hmm. at my calendar, the calendar that Amanda got me for Christmas that has all the good news and fun holidays I love and stuff. That calendar. Um, I looked at my calendar to see what day of the week your birthday is on, and I noticed that your birthday is also National Wine Day. So celebrate appropriately. Will do. I'm going to be in a cabin on a lake or something at that point. Nice. I still have some extra boxes of wine here if you need to, <laughs> to take them. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll stop through and uh, maybe. take them with. Maybe. <laughs> There's only going to be two of us, so maybe just one. Okay, that might I might only have one full one still. <laughs> um, you know what else my birthday is? You want to learn another yeah. thing? My birthday is Towel Day. <gasps> is it really? It is That's awesome. Do you know what Towel Day? Of course, is? I know what Towel Day towel is. is. But should we tell other people what Towel Day is? I suppose. I mean, we could just give them hints and be coy. We could. <laughs> <laughs> Towel Day is a reference to an amazing book and an amazing author who is sadly now passed away. Um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yes. And if you don't understand the reference or you've never read that book, that's what you should be doing this weekend. Yes. After you follow, follow us, on, us Twitter. on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Happy Future National or Happy Future Towel Day. Happy future National Wine Day. I feel like I need to reread Hitchhiker now. I know. It's been a while. I'm listening to Good Omens at the moment. Mm-hmm. I need to read that. Um, oh, my God. Have you not ever read it? It's so amazing. Also, it is so insanely reminiscent of Douglas Adams. Like, there are even some of his jokes. It's almost like it's in tribute to him. Aww. And it is really good. Um, and it is now also a, a Netflix series. So that's why I'm listening to it. So I can then watch the Netflix yeah. series. Yay. Yeah. All right. So I learned one more thing. All right. I'm ready. Um, I actually learned this because Liam asked me what SWAT meant. And it was like, uh. Okay. <laughs> I assume we mean like capital SWAT. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not, yeah, yeah. Like, Not like I SWAT you. Right. I was going to try to do it, but I only have one for you. Right. <laughs> it's harder to do. <laughs> SWAT stands for Special Weapons and Tactics. Yeah. And SWAT teams were first formed in the 60s to handle riots or violent confrontations with criminals, but now are mostly used to serve search warrants, most often for narcotics. How do I feel about this? Oh, but wait, there's more. Okay. As of 2005, which was the last year I could find numbers for, SWAT teams were deployed 50,000 times a year in the United States. Holy shit. Yeah, that seems like a lot. Okay, I know how I feel about that. Mm. So that's what I learned. Awesome. Twitter, your birthday, SWAT. Twitter wine SWAT, really. <laughs> I feel like that's somebody's password somewhere. Twitter wines. <laughs> I almost said snot. Wine swat. Wine swat. Yeah, that, it, it gets, it hard, gets jumbled. You should be careful about that. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. So, Diana, I hear that you have two stories this I week. I do. So it was like three things you learned and two stories. You're just what? Like having a manic episode where maybe a little i also on. know what my next story is going to be and actually that's why there's two stories because the first story that i found i loved and wanted to cover but it's not terribly long okay. and then while i was looking at that i saw a link to another story 
that gets me to a story that I bet some of our folks have heard, but I love it. So I'm going to tell it next mm-hmm. week. Cool. Yes. Cool. So this week's story number one. Mm-hmm. Last week on Crime Crazy. <laughs> it's always going to make me feel every week. <laughs> and it makes me all happy every week. Last week on Crime Crazy, I talked about the murder of most of the Romero Martinez family outside of Atlanta, Georgia. Isabel Martinez murdered her husband and four of her five children, leaving only nine-year-old Diana alive. Um, so I was thinking about which theme to follow this week, and I realized that I've been talking a lot about dead children and mass murder. It, Me too. And I needed to have a little bit of a, a, a palate cleanser. Cool. So this week we're staying in Georgia for a different kind of crime, but still keeping some pretty weird behavior. The Henson family of Cobb County, Georgia, took a little vacation to Florida over the holidays. And when they returned to their 55 and over condo building on January 2nd of 2019, they weren't able to get into the garage. The key wouldn't turn in the lock. Mr. Henson went around back to find the spare key that they kept there, but it was gone. So they called a locksmith. And while the locksmith was working on the door, he heard something and asked if anyone was inside. Someone was inside. A man in a wheelchair came to the door and told him that this was his house now and that they should all leave. (laughs) Wait, that's... That's not how that works. What? <laughs> yep. This is my house now. You need to leave. And that, that didn't sit well with the actual homeowners, so they called the police. Right. Five police officers arrived at the condo. And when they did, 26-year-old Nathaniel Jacob Knuckles told them that he was armed and that he would shoot them. And in general, cops don't take real kindly to that, so they called in no. the SWAT team. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> there ensued a five-hour standoff between officers, the SWAT team, and the guy in the condo. When negotiations weren't having the desired results, the SWAT team broke down the door and sent a robot in to locate the suspect. Knuckles surrendered peacefully, and no weapons were found in the condo. He was arrested, charged with felony first-degree burglary and making terroristic threats, as well as misdemeanor obstruction. As of the last available information, he was being held in the Cobb County Jail in lieu of a $33,220 bond. Once the Hensons were able to get back into their home, they found that their belongings had been moved around, including all of the family pictures, drawers had been emptied, all of the food was gone. All of the food. He ate everything. Everything in the house. Wow. They don't know how long he was there. (laughs) He left notes for the family, thanking them for the key and for letting him live there and that the house was his now. Well, then how are they going to see the notes? I don't know. (laughs) Okay. So this story leaves me with so many questions, beginning with, what the fuck? Yeah, no, pretty much just let's start there. Right. (laughs) I don't... That is so weird. What was his motivation? Why was he in a wheelchair? Because I don't think he needed it. Nowhere did it mention that the man was disabled. He was just in a wheelchair. 
He well, he stole that from somebody who had like been helped out to go to the bathroom. Maybe. And then he was like, "Thank you. This is this mine is mine now." now. Um, it's because they didn't call fives. <laughs> <laughs> he had the locks changed on the house. Well, yeah, because otherwise people could come into his house. Well, right, but how do you get the locks changed if you can't prove that you live there? Because he was a dude in a wheelchair who said, hey, I need my locks changed. Someone might try to come in. And the locksmith was like, oh, my God. But he was also a 26-year-old dude in a 55 and over community. Oh, this is true. Also, why was that his choice? I don't know. This is, it's very fucked up. So there was nothing, there were a lot of articles written about this, but there was absolutely nothing from Knuckles' perspective about this. So I did a little light internet stalking, and I found both his Facebook and Twitter accounts. (laughs) Okay. And his Facebook account isn't very interesting, except for the fact that he only has two friends and claims that he works at a restaurant called Tokyo in Denver, although he very clearly lives in Georgia. And his Twitter is bizarre so you know on twitter when it has the biography or you know the little whatever yeah a little profile bio yeah his says my family roommates are bitch look kind for my dick my family roommates are bitch Mm -hmm. look kind for my dick I would make that a social media quote, but I'm not sure what kind of art goes with that. <laughs> Probably nothing we should be putting up. <laughs> and then where it has the place where you can put like a website, like to put to your website or to crimecrazy.com, yeah. it links to <laughs> <Nice>. a stepsister <laughs> porn site. Ew. Right? So now that's in my search history. Oh. According to his timeline which all happened over about six weeks 115 tweets i think it was he wants to marry selena gomez he wants to fuck miley cyrus seems to be weirdly racist and none of it makes any sense so here is a sample okay i must be from estonia i'm so gorgeous okay Travel ban leads to fleeing to Mexico to take a plane to Europe. The wall of Mexico is to deplete the water out of your body so Mason bigger men eat our bodies. Kill today, lead the way. Okay, so I'm just going to go with, he needs some help that prison isn't going to provide. But wait, there's more. (laughs) Well, I heard you were giving me a word at Barack Obama. Um... I'm in the Marine pamphlet. I should just get in since my structure is the exact same. Where are you, twin? Where are you? Um, so I don't want to make any sweeping generalizations, but the mugshot of him makes me think that meth was a factor. There's meth in my story. Sweet. That is my first story. That is so bizarre. Yeah. And I feel like there is some huge piece of that story there was zero from his perspective nothing about what his motivation might have been was he homeless at the time like they didn't seem to know him how did he find the key why a 55 and older and it said condo but it looked like it was more like townhomes like they had a a, a little front yard and a little backyard and a like a door 
uh, it wasn't in a hallway. Um, but was he just rummaging around backyards looking for keys? Like, the fuck? Right. I. Wow. Yeah. So there's a big kerfluffle around the time it happened in January and nothing since. But I'm sure, like, nothing's come to trial or anything. It's too early. Sure, sure. Wow. Well, Diana, that was something. <laughs> it was. I I mean, when it is all said and done, I mean, a huge expense trying to get him out of the house because I'm sure that SWAT does not come cheap. No, and they, of course, busted up the house pretty good. So the homeowners had to stay in a hotel for a while while right. the house was getting cleaned up, which I'm pretty sure SWAT does not cover. I'm pretty sure you're on your own for that. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Um, they probably had to, like, give permission or something. Well, I don't know if it meant that they were going to bitch up my house that I would have given permission. Yeah, but if the alternative is somebody else is living in your house and you can never go there again and there may be gunfire happening. Well, so I suppose that's the... Like knocking in a door. And I suppose that's the real thing, right? Is that he said he was armed. They never found any weapons. So he wasn't, which is nice. He wasn't. But you don't know that. I can't, you know, stand out in the front of the street in my house and be like, I bet he doesn't have a gun. Let's just wait it out. (laughs) It's probably fine. It it seems all good. He only broke in and had the locks changed, ate all the food and left us notes. And took all my family pictures down. (laughs) <laughs> well, of course, it was his house. What would he want their family pictures for? Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was bizarre and, like, delightfully bloodless. Uh, yeah, I needed I needed a palate cleanser. So, now that your palate's cleansed... <laughs> sorry. All right, let's, let's get some blood on that. So, I know we don't normally do a trigger warning because true crime podcast, blood, whatever, but... I also happen to know that we have a number of fans who listen every week who are really not into some of the content I'm about to cover, so I thought I'd give them a chance to skip ahead a little bit. (laughs) But not yet. I will listen to the whole thing. Yep. Well, you're stuck anyway, even if you want. (laughs) Let me give you a little context, and then you can decide, not you, them, um, whether or not you want to, not you, them, skip ahead until the end of the story. So last week, I had a serial killer who killed many women. So many. Somewhere between the 12 he was convicted of, the 19 whose names we know, the 22 he was suspected of, in addition to a kid and a half. Yeah. And so the very last sentence of my story last week was that one of the breasts he cut off of one of the women that he murdered may have ended up in his award-winning chili. Mm. And that is the connection I went with for this week. Cannibalism. That's when the cannibalism started. That's when the cannibalism started. So, with that in mind, if you need to skip ahead about 20, 30 minutes, go for it. And we'll see you for Diana's other story. Woohoo! See you then. Does your other story have cannibalism? Nope. So you'll be safe. It, the, okay. I think even the kitchen was safe in this one. <laughs> nice. I think. It's a little weird to say. No, because in my last story, <laughs> he ate all the food. 
He ate all the food. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Okay. All right. That's still a little weird to say. I know. <laughs> My next story, I don't think there's any eating at all. Okay. Well, there is in this Okay. One. Of the people. Um, yeah. All right. So, on September 11th, 2014. It's a bad a woman, day. That's a bad day for anything to happen. It's a bad day. And this was a bad day. A woman named Tammy Jo Blanton didn't show up for work. Uh-oh. Tammy was usually more reliable, although she had recently been in a relationship that was really troubling. Her ex had been arrested for attempted strangulation of a man just before they started dating. He had been paroled, um, but when Indiana, which was where they were living, alerted Utah, which is where he had come from, that he had been arrested for this strangulation, his parole had been violated. And there had been a two-state, low-speed police chase. Wow. Yes, which actually only lasted 40 minutes. So saying two-state is, like, far more exciting. Well, but being Um, in the Midwest, I am not 40 minutes away from any other state. No. Like, even Wisconsin is a good 45, 50. Right. But if you were, like, on the other side of St. Paul. Right, yeah. You could be in two states in 40 minutes. Absolutely. Anyway, they caught him because he wasn't going very fast. (laughs) And they arrested him again. And Tammy paid his bail. Got him out. (sighs) Again, with the standards of the people you people are going out with. I know. I know. Surely you must think you are worth more than this. Although, to be fair, he had told her some about himself, but not, not very much about his history Uh. so kind of a deceptive um so on this day september 11 2014 police went to check on her at her home in jeffersonville indiana but when they arrived something wasn't right because tammy was not the one who answered the door the ex-boyfriend was Uh uh-oh so, Tammy and Joseph Oberhansley oh had broken up Yeah, earlier that month. She, during their relationship, had gone from an outgoing, empathetic people person to an all-but-recluse. He controlled everything she did. He added himself to her Facebook account so that he could see everything that she did online. Ugh. And she wasn't allowed to go out and see her friends. Like, she was just pretty much shut away. Textbook abuse behavior. Yes. So finally, Tammy was strong enough to stand up to him and decided to get out of the relationship. And as predicted, Joseph did not take that very well as he was used to controlling everything she did. And it was such a bad breakup that Tammy had had all of her locks changed after he left. And as recently as that week, the week that she did not answer the door, she had called the police because Joseph had come back onto the property and he would not leave and he was trying to get in the house. And they removed him and made him leave, but they didn't arrest him. She didn't have a restraining order or anything, so they just got him off the property and left. Now, he was in her house and answering her door. So the police asked about the whereabouts of Tammy Blanton and they were given vague and kind of strange answers. And so finally, they gained entrance into the house where they discovered a horrific scene. Tammy was in a bathtub. Her body was covered with a tent, like the ones that you stick the little, like a pop-up, like camping tent, but without the little wires in it. Um, They removed the tent and she was dead. She 
had severe wounds to her head, her neck, and her torso, exposing many of her organs and her brain. Oh, my God. So, of course, they took her away. They did an autopsy, which revealed that part of her brain, part of her heart, and part of her lungs were all missing. And she had been raped. (sighs) In the kitchen, the scene began to come together. There was a bloody plate, a pair of tongs with blood on the handle, and a skillet, as well as as fragments of what looked like her skull. And it looked like... Tammy's murderer had cooked and eaten the missing pieces. So, like, that's terrible and fucked up. But those are also not the body parts that I would eat of any animal. No. However, he had a specific reason. Um, And I don't think I cover it later, so we'll just talk about it now. He chose her mind and her heart like very specifically so that he could still be in control of like her thought and her passion and all of that. I don't know where the lungs fit in there unless he was just kind of cutting in that general area. There's like no good meat in lungs. Well, there's not, I mean, I guess your heart is fine and people eat brain. I don't know why, but they do. Apparently it's delicious. I don't know that I could. No. Yeah. But lungs like, Ugh. They're all veins. I, I, I sort of wonder if he didn't just like hack at the heart and wind up with some lung. Well, but there's the rib cage. In this, uh, yeah, he must have gotten through all that though. Yeah, I don't know if there's. I mean, I suppose you could go between. I don't know. I don't know much about anatomy. <laughs> Well, I mean, you could probably slice between and just tong it out. Yeah. Um, or he might, I mean, he busted her skull open to remove her brain. He may have just busted her ribs open, too. Yeah, that's true. So, The only suspect, of course, was Oberhansley. Mm-hmm. So the police interviewed him, and they got this wide variety of, like, weird response and stories and nonsense. So, in the beginning of the interview, he confessed that he had murdered his ex-girlfriend. But, in this confession, at the exact same time, he claimed that actually he had been set up by a pair of armed black men that he had had to chase out of Tammy's apartment after they murdered her. So, like, oh yeah, I mutilated her. These two guys did it and I had to chase them away. Like, just nonsense. Mm. Um, sometimes he would stop talking entirely about the crime because he said that his head and hands were electrifying, like they were tingly and electricity was going to like shoot out of them. Mm. And he told the police that before he killed Tammy, that he could hear her thoughts and she had been thinking that she was going to cut his head off. So he had to murder her. It was self-defense. And every time they would step out of the interview room, he would like sort of sporadically make buzzing noises and then tell some invisible person that was in the room with him to stay back. So So he doesn't seem like he's on top of things. No. And one reason for that might very well have been the result of an earlier crime, the one for which he was on parole in Utah. So in 1998... Joseph Oberhansley was high on meth 
when he shot and killed his 17-year-old girlfriend, Sabrina Elder, who five days previously had given birth to their son. There's a whole lot of bad to unpack in that sentence. Yes. So he believed that this five-day-old baby was not his, even though she did name it Joseph Oberhansley Jr., Um, And so he was in this jealous rage, high on meth. He decided he was going to put things right. So he shot and killed Sabrina. He didn't touch the baby. And then he shot his his mother in the back. And then, because he was just absolutely distraught, he put the gun under his chin and shot himself in an attempted murder-suicide. But Sabrina was the only one that actually died. So mom survived the bullet in her back and eventually forgave Joseph for shooting her in the first place and became, yeah, one of his biggest supporters. Joseph also survived. He was in a coma for several weeks, having shot himself in the head. Mm -hmm. Um, But the surgeons decided that it was too dangerous to remove the bullet from his brain. And so they had to leave it in his frontal lobe. Oh, which is the part of the brain that controls emotions, personality, decision-making, and self-control. Yep. That's, a, that's so, an important part. Yes. Essentially, it was described by the surgeons and a psychiatrist as he had given himself like an unintentional partial lobotomy. Yep. Um, so once he had recovered enough to stand trial for that murder, he had pled guilty and he was sent to prison. And he ended up serving 12 years. So that was 2000. He got out in 2012. Starting in 2004, Joseph had gone before the parole board at every opportunity to apologize and promise he had changed. He, would, he felt guilty and all of that. He said that this partial lobotomy he'd unintentionally given himself had really calmed him down, that his actions had been somebody that no longer existed. He had grown up. He didn't have those issues anymore. He felt a ton of remorse. In prison, he had gotten a large tattoo of Sabrina on him. And he tried to use that as evidence of his remorse, which I have feelings about and questions about. Um, But also, one of his cousins, who I guess had visited him at prison at some point, called the parole board to let them know that he also had a tattoo across the back of his shoulders that said murderous deeds. And she felt that indicated a lack of remorse and the potential and intention to be violent again. Why are you getting so many tattoos in prison? I mean, no decision he has made yet has been a good one. Well, I feel like this is relatively mine. Right. And maybe I'm a tattoo snob, but come on. You know they're not good. And a portrait tattoo, which has a high potential to suck anyway. Well, and a portrait tattoo where I am not certain how he could have possibly had a photo of the woman he murdered. So what were they looking at? I bet he did. I don't know that I, well, maybe I know photos going into prisons are pretty carefully checked. I guess she would have maybe been in the paper. It's possible somebody else had one. Well, it could be, but would they necessarily, I mean, he could have had a picture of like her and their baby. Yeah. Well, the baby was taken away from him. Well, right. But he could have taken a picture of them with Right. Um, 
maybe. Uh, maybe. I think, I think if anybody had seen him with a photo of her, that would have been taken away. Yeah. Um, that is like the one thing that I notice gets checked. <laughs> <laughs> of all of the things going in and out of prisons, um, photos are pretty carefully policed. Huh. Interesting. You know, heroin less so, but photos <laughs> right. were yeah, on that. Heroin right in. Yeah. So in addition to the questionable tattoos, Joseph did other things in prison that were not okay and probably delayed his parole. For example, he called his aunt and uncle who had adopted the baby boy. So Joseph's son had originally been Joseph Oberhansley mm-hmm. Jr. But his adoptive parents felt that was not an okay name for the baby. It wasn't fair for him to grow up with the name with the same name as his mother's murderer. Mm-hmm. So Joseph would call them um, and would still refer to the baby as Baby J. And then he would make comments like, I just see that he's getting so big. Even though he should not have been able to see the baby at all mm-hmm. in photos or in person. And so they suspected that he had sent someone to take pictures of the baby for him. Cause remember like now he's on good terms with his mom. Like there's other family involved mm. and um, they suspected that somebody was essentially acting as a spy and like giving him information about this child. Gross. Right. So all of this information was what Tammy's friends found online and then reported to her when her behavior like really drastically changed and they started to lose touch with her. And so it was a large part of her decision to break up with Joseph. Also, did she not see the tattoo of another woman on like, I'm assuming they're both grownups. There was probably nudity involved. Yeah, probably. I mean, the first woman, who was not even a woman, she was 17, they had a baby. Well, right, but he Um, also has a tattoo of her on his person. Apparently an extensive one. Right. Yeah, and then murderous deeds across the back of his shoulders. So, one of the articles, I read like six articles on this, and one of them said um, that he shared some of his past with her, but not in a lot of detail. And I guess the nature of their relationship. And so probably like her personality, she wasn't going to push it and ask for details. Mm -hmm. So whatever he told her about his past or about how he had changed or whatever else, like she must've just accepted that. Man, people are way more trusting than I am. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and go with if you have a tattoo of a woman who is not your sister or mother or child on you, probably if you have a portrait tattoo at all. Yeah, no. If you have a portrait tattoo at all, no. No. Um, Unless it's like, I don't know, maybe a little abstract and absolutely awesome. I don't know. There might be some that I'd be okay with. Right, but like a standard portrait tattoo, like... They're just... So often, so creepy. Yeah, and you can't tell before it's on. Like, it's just such a roulette. (laughs) Yes. Every time. So much is. Um, So, yeah, yeah. I mean, not that I'm looking for anybody anyway, but certainly not someone with some other woman's portrait. Right. So, in June of 2017... So three years after Tammy was murdered, Joseph's trial in the newest murder was scheduled to start, but the defense, as they should, 
asked that he be evaluated to see if he was mentally competent enough to assist in his own defense. Mm -hmm. And the psychiatrist, as he should, found that he was not. And they sent him to a state facility for treatment and further evaluation. So the idea was, you go here, you get better, you come back, and then we try you for murder. I don't know that you get better Um, from a partial frontal lobotomy. Right. And... Yeah, I don't know. And then he was only there for a handful of months before they were like, "Mm, all better, and sent him back for another trial date. Hmm. So in the fall. So the new court date was scheduled for September. The defense attorneys asked for even more delays. And according to the most recent article I could find, which was, I think, January of this year, the new trial date is now scheduled for August 2019. So, I mean, that's five years after the murder. And granted, he's been in custody the whole time. But. Right. But maybe he's not in charge of his faculties. I don't see how he could be. Even if half the stuff in the interview was faked. I I feel like there's significant brain damage enough so that you shouldn't be able to confidently say he's fine right he has a bullet in his brain currently in a, it's there now in a really important part yes <laughs> yes now should he ever get out of no again? no would he have tried to kill her or succeeded in killing her anyway probably probably right but in this case like he needs to be locked up in a place where there is no parole where he is treated in whatever way possible for his mental I don't even know what it is now yeah just some some way that he doesn't have an opportunity to have impulses that'll lead to murder right and I don't so I have a really hard time especially after watching um is it called like interview with a murderer or I am evil or whatever the Netflix documentary on death row mm-hmm. is. Um, one of the first episodes, and I think I've talked about it before. There was a man who murdered somebody while in prison mm-hmm. because he wanted to be on death row. Yep. Um, and one of the primary motivations for preferring death row to being imprisoned for life was, I mean, A, death row is apparently a pretty sweet gig, Mm -hmm. (laughs) except for the part at the end. Um, And B, that he was kept in isolation almost all of the time. Mm -hmm. And that is just not healthy. Yeah. So I don't think this guy should be isolated, even though he's horrible. Because I don't, there's no point to that. But maybe sedated I don't know kept away from humans yeah like you can see him but you can't touch him I don't know yeah that's a hard one but I mean there's definitely such significant brain damage he probably should I mean he wasn't he wasn't a lovely human before that no but but he probably should have been put in prison the first time Although I suppose the actual crime wasn't caused because of the brain damage. The brain damage happened during the crime. So I don't really know what the legalities around that are, but. Well, I just don't know how he could have been. I don't know how they could have judged him able to participate in his defense after coming out of a coma 
with a bullet in your head. Like, even if, I mean, he totally did the crime before he was hurt. And he was high on meth, but no, not an excuse. No. But again, do they look at his competency at the time of the crime, which was much higher than his competency at the time of the trial? Right. And I, I think the answer is both. Because you have to have been competent at the time of the crime and understood what you were doing in order to be held responsible for it. But you also have to be competent enough at the time of the trial that you get the kind of defense that everyone is supposedly entitled to. Wait, but hold on a second. Did he plead guilty or did he? He did plead guilty. So then there was no trial. There was no trial. But was he competent to plead guilty? Like... Did someone say plead guilty and all he could do at that point was whatever he was told? I I don't know. I don't know. But or was it not looked at real hard because everybody knew he did it? I mean, he definitely did it. He definitely needed to be locked up. I just I don't know if the other thing is if they had in the original case judged him not able to stand trial, maybe they would have locked him up in a different kind of facility where you cannot get parole after 12 years. Well, and the other thing too is if he were remanded as soon as he was healthy enough to do so, if that hadn't happened and he'd had treatment for his traumatic brain injury, it's really what he had. Right. Could he have, I mean, I don't know. That's a really important piece of the brain that's got a bullet in it. Well, and it's not going to just regrow in any amount of time. Well, and I was thinking that with a lot of traumatic brain injuries, if you have immediate therapy, there's a lot of things that can be overcome. But like, that's a part of the a brain whole. that is controlling just so many executive functions. It is. Well, and even if they were somehow miraculously able to get him back to his original state, his original state shot the mother of his child five days after she gave birth oh, yeah. and his own mother and himself. So that's not a good place to be. No, either. his original state was a real dick. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, just all kinds of mess. <sighs> Light on the cannibalism. But other than that, all kinds of mess. Yeah. It's just an icky story. It's awful. It's awful. Like he started out awful. He so I think that he was thirty three in twenty fourteen. So what does that make him? So seventeen. Yeah. So. So he was a teenager. On math. On math, probably a shit person under all of that, but also a teenager, so not in charge of all of the faculties yet. Nope. Yeah. So that's Ugh, Joseph. Gross. Right? And real light on the cannibalism, which I gotta say, I guess I am a sick human, but I just find stories where people are so unlike human beings and there's like a ton of gore and a ton of like awful awful Mm -hmm. stuff to be very 
fascinating. I think because they seem so unreal. Yeah. I can totally buy that somebody got upset and jealous at 17, was doing drugs and shot someone. Oh, yeah. That's super tragic. But when they then like cut out their heart and eat them and like then it becomes sort of a fantasy story. Yeah, no. So I'm a little disappointed at the lack of cannibalism <laughs> and a whole lot upset about the just general like there is no good answer. No, there is no good answer. Like there is no satisfactory way for that to end. There's not. There's not. I just hope that August happens they make some decision and then they put him away because i know that tammy's family has been for now five years wishing that he was just gone and they didn't have to think about him and they didn't have to stress about him and they didn't have to worry he might somehow get out and you know just put him away wherever you want to put him and let them have some peace so Hmm. Do you have a story that doesn't involve cannibals? I do. Or eating? No eating. No eating. Okay. All right. A few minutes ago on Crime Crazy. (laughs) A man found the spare key to a condo, used it to begin living there, changed the locks, and refused to leave when the homeowner showed back up. My second story keeps us in Cobb County, which has kept me wanting a Cobb salad all day. (laughs) <laughs> damn it diana sorry i guess we're ordering cob salads for lunch tomorrow oh are we well now we okay. are i'm in on that so this is still in Cobb county georgia but it has a somewhat different outcome walter bynum and tamara pritchett along with their two children rented a cute little house in Cobb county georgia from a man named mariah morgan They'd found the listing on Craigslist, and because Mariah Morgan said that he was deaf, they did all the business over email, mail, and text. They sent Mm. him a money order for $3,000 for several months' rent, and he sent them the keys to the house. They moved into the house. They were settling in nicely. So imagine their surprise when on June 25th, 2017, Dina Everman showed up to the house that she owned to find them living in it. Oh, no. (laughs) Everman had owned the house on Condor Drive for about 11 years, and she had sold it to a new family. The day before closing, she stopped by the house that she'd moved out of to say goodbye when she found the Bynum Pritchett family living there. She called the police, but when they arrived, they said it wasn't a case of breaking and entering, although she was able to prove that she owned the house and that the man who had rented it to Tamara Pritchard was not an owner, and she had no idea who he was. Instead, police told her that she'd have to go through the legal eviction process to get rid of the family so that she could close the sale on her house. Yeah. So according to Everman... Quote, at this point, I'm the legal owner of the property, and I shouldn't have to expend this energy to get someone out that I did not give permission to be in my home. Yes. The police officers decided it wasn't breaking and entering at that point, even though there was a broken window and changed locks, and I had the deeds to my home and proof that it was my home. Yeah. Everman started the eviction process, which in Georgia can take from four to six weeks, which seemed real short because it's a lot longer here. 
In the meantime, the people that she was selling the house to luckily agreed to wait to close until the matter had been resolved. And they were staying with friends because they were technically homeless. Yeah. Pritchett and Fam refused to move when they were presented with the fact that they had not rented the house from the owner. According to a local real estate attorney in Georgia, possession really is nine-tenths of the law, and that by being in the house, the family did have some legal rights, no matter how they got into the property. When Pritchett went to the police station the day after this all started, the deputies told her that she could stay. She said, they told us until these people come and forcibly evict us, they can't force us out on our rights. Everman did try to forcibly evict them. She called the police several more times, but they refused to remove the family. Pritchett told reporters, they tried to unlawfully throw us out by legally evicting us. I am so frustrated by this story. Oh, wait, there's more. She further claimed, I've dealt with people harassing me, threatening me and my family like we're not the victim. I, I mean, they are kind of. They legally rented it from somebody who didn't own they it, They right? did not legally rent it because the person didn't own it. Well, right, but they didn't know that. They did not know that. They got swindled. They, Right. They went through the whole process exactly how they should have done and didn't do anything wrong. Right. So, and they probably paid some amount of money and they, all of that. So, like... They are a victim. They are. But they're not decent people. They also <laughs> refuse to leave. Right. I feel like at that point, you... Yeah, you just have to leave. Right. And you've got to sue the hell out of the person that rented you the house. who probably has nothing and you'll never win. Right. But, like, you, you leave. That house belongs to someone else. And I cannot believe... That the woman who owns the house isn't allowed to kick people out of the house that she owns. So we'll get to that in a minute. But it sounds like what happened is that when she called the police, when she went there to say goodbye to her house, she called the police and said, there are people in my house living here that say they've, oh, they've rented it from someone who's not the owner. I can prove I'm the owner. And the cops didn't right. know what to do. So they went to someone who said... These people have rights. You can't do anything about it. Tell her to start eviction proceedings. So she did, but that was wrong. Right. And, um, and we'll get to that in a minute here. But that was wrong. And when it came to light that that was wrong and that the police had been given bad advice and that they should have like gotten rid of the people that first night, yeah. nobody ever admitted to being the person that said, no, 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 they're fine. She needs to evict them. Right. She... Right. I wonder if there was just miscommunication no, about the whole thing. There was not. No? They were given bad advice and they covered it up. I'm so mad for this woman. I cannot imagine coming home to my, even if it was a house I was selling, but like coming home to my home, right. finding someone else in it and then not being allowed to tell them to right. leave. That oh, despite the okay, fact there's clear evidence, so despite the fact that there's clear evidence that somebody did break and enter, even if it wasn't these people, somebody broke a, right. a back window. 
used the entry to the house to change the locks before they rented it to these people. Why didn't the people renting it say, but you have to fix that broken window? They did. Or they said they noticed why? right away that the window was broken. Why is this window broken? Looks like somebody broke in. Is this a safe neighborhood? I'm sure he just said, oh, it's been vacant, you know, since the last people moved out. This shit happens. He said he lived in Texas. This is in Georgia. Yeah. I don't know why this is making me so mad. I just did a story about a kid. Oh, yeah. No. Continue. Um, so uh, Pritchard thought that Everman and the police should be spending their energy trying to find the person that scammed all of them instead of spending yes. their energy trying to get the family out of the house so no. that the could be, sale could be finalized. I w- Both. W- right. Well, hold on. we'll see why they didn't in a minute. I wasn't able to find any information about this Mariah Morgan, but there was a lot of evidence that the local police actively helped the squatters stay in the house. Everman actually changed the locks to the house, but police forced her husband to give the new keys to Pritchett, telling him that the tenants needed to have access to the building. Because in Georgia, as soon as the eviction suit was filed, the tenants had a legal right to be in the property until they didn't. So they didn't have a right to be there, but by filing the paperwork, she accidentally gave them the right to be there. Right. Because she was told by the police that's how she had to do it to get them out. Damn it. Yeah. She needs a really good lawyer. Well, she and her husband finally had enough of this shit. They went directly to the DA, who decided that entirely the wrong thing had been done and filed criminal trespassing charges against the squatting family. The Bynum Pritchett family moved out on July 15th, more than six weeks after they'd taken possession of the home, and they're still angry because the police aren't doing anything to find the man that ripped them off. The police have responded that they would be happy to do so as soon as she files a police report with them so they can start. Okay. Is there a man at all? I don't know. There was not, and this just happened in January, so I'm sure things are still, or I'm sorry, that was the last story. So this happened in 2017. I wasn't able to find anything after the people had finally moved out, except for a write-up on like badtenants.com or something, which was actually really unfair to the woman who, although she was kind of a pain in the ass, was not as horrible as they made her out to be. Um. But yeah, she keeps bitching and moaning about why aren't the police looking for the people that ripped me off? Why blah, 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 blah. And the police are like, Mm -hmm. we we need you to file a police report. Like, we can't just decide there's been something that happened. Like, you need to go through the proper channels and she won't do it. So that makes me wonder if they didn't just break in and live there. So that's what I wonder, too, because if this guy, I mean, let's go ahead and just say off the bat, he's probably not deaf. Like, no. that's just fucking weird. No. But, you know, they said that his name was Mariah, which is usually a woman's name. And that he lived in Texas. And they had, like, the signed lease. But anybody can do that. That's not... Yeah. I mean, most states have a lease you can download online. Right. How would somebody in Texas have broken into the house to change the locks and then placed an ad on Craigslist 
which one of the I think it was the DA made some nasty comment about like you can't trust shit you find on Craigslist. Mm. Like that's how people find houses to rent these days. It is, and that's that's not a no. Yeah, no, that was not the issue in this no. case. No. Also, the police have no right to be making any snipe. That wasn't the police. It was the point. DA. Oh, okay. Um, well, mm. right. <laughs> so, I mean, it was a clusterfuck all the way around. But yeah, was it somebody really in Texas? And how did that all go down? Was it somebody they didn't... Maybe they were innocent in this whole thing. Maybe it was somebody they didn't know, but was more local than they said. But they right. did send a money order somewhere, they said. Well, they said... It, but and like, they had receipts for it. But again, like... Did they find the ad on Craig? Like, did somebody verify there had been an ad on Craig? I don't know. And I don't know. You know, again, they can't. There's not been a report filed. Right. You know, the homeowner has... Which that is just... Well, right. But the homeowner has no right to file a report because she isn't the one that was necessarily harmed by his actions. Like, that's a step too far, right? I mean, she could file a police report for property damage. They broke the window. That's well, but we don't for. know that I'm that sure buyers... guy broke the window. We don't know who broke the window. Well, no, but according to the squatters, the guy broke the window, so she can file. No, the, the squatters just that said that the window was broken when they got there. Oh. I am speculating that the guy broke the window broken because them. that's how they got in to change the locks. Yeah, I. Just so I don't know. So you know, I mean, she was pretty belligerent through the whole thing. Maybe yeah. she's just a belligerent like human. <laughs> you know? Right. It seems like there is a lot of easily traced action. Right. Like you could find out who the locksmith was paid mm-hmm. by. You could find out if there was a Craigslist ad. You could find out who the email address belongs to. You could find out if they purchased a money right. order. You could like well in. There seems to be a lot of things that could be looked into if she would file that report. Well, and I keep going back to with both of these stories, because you remember that I am worried that the children of the former owner of my house would try to get in because they're shady as fuck. Yes. Right. And clearly have documentation with my address on it. One of the things I did was t- talk to a friend of ours whose husband is a locksmith about what kind of ID do they look at when they come to change the locks. Yeah. Um, and you know, his basic response was any decent locksmith will make them verify that that's their house. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, the first guy clearly had no ID that could have tied Mm -hmm. him to it because he'd only been there for maybe a week or two. And these people had only been in the house for two weeks when the homeowner came over. So they probably didn't have like a new driver's list and the locks were changed before they got there. They said they got the keys that fit the door well also a locksmith didn't necessarily have to be involved i have changed my own locks you just go to lowe's well and buy i suppose lock. that's true i didn't think about it i've always paid somebody to do it because i feel like i'd fuck it up <laughs> well yeah but if you like especially if you don't care if all of the doors are keyed with the same mm-hmm. key you just go buy a lock yeah that's true and it's a couple of screws and then you have a new lock yeah. 20 bucks and a couple screws. That's yeah, it. that's true. And if you're already in the house because you broke a window, 
there's not any need to get anyone else involved. Yeah, I suppose if you planned ahead and, you know, hit the Home Depot on the way. Right. I mean, if you're going to, if you're a guy pretending to be deaf and in Texas, <laughs> stealing a house. Right. But again, I'm not even sure there was a guy who is deaf and in Texas. If there right. was a guy who is deaf and in well, Texas, why isn't she filing a police report when the, like, the police are literally saying to the reporters, like, we'll investigate it as soon as she fucking gives us a police report. Right. Well, but even more so if you're a family who has set up this elaborate lie about a guy in Texas who's deaf and blah, blah, blah. You probably remembered to go to Lowe's. Probably. I'd like to think so. Wow. Yeah. Just wow. I feel like that would be an easy Airbnb scam, too. Probably. I mean, when you think about it, it's really not that hard to take over somebody else's house. No, if they're not physically there. Yeah. It's a little harder if they're physically there. A little bit, but, you know, you've heard some of that with, like, mortgage scams and, yeah, you know, even if there was a a real guy in Texas who's running all of this, like, it's kind of a genius way. He made them pay several months in advance. It was $3,000. Yeah. He, right. If there is a guy and he spent 40 bucks on a new lock and like he made some decent money and now he, he's not out any, there's no, well, more right. Work. He, he just goes and finds another well, and place. It's, like it's on Craigslist. Like he didn't have to pay for a newspaper ad, you know, no, he's literally yeah. out the 40 bucks. Right. And the slight risk of getting caught during the break-in. Well, and I have to believe somebody like this is using burner emails, burner phones, a P.O. box or, you know, something yeah. less traceable. Yeah. Hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Huh. I mean, it's clever. Regardless of who actually did it, it's very clever. And I am pissed on the homeowners. Oh, behalf. absolutely. It makes me feel better that she was in the process of selling it. Her stuff wasn't there. She wasn't living there. She presumably was like had broken that emotional yep. attachment like that. At least it wasn't, she came home from vacation. Right. And her house is fucked up and, and there's a dude in it. Right. And now she's being forced to like, let them stay and she has to go yeah. elsewhere. Yeah. It sounded like she moved out before she put the house on the market. Um, right. So, th- I mean, there's that. Yeah. And the other people stayed with friends. They ended up buying it and moving in and like, it all worked out. Good. Right. I'm, kind of impressed that they didn't back out like they must have really really wanted the house because it was the day before closing well right but now there there's a delay there's some damage to the house there is some kind of shady shit going on there that their home is involved in they haven't yet committed that much financially yeah but that's probably not a way to back out like they would be out some money because there's nothing materially wrong with the contract um but you know at that point they've sold their house like they probably have the i'm assuming they were homeowners before but one way or the other like they've moved out of their apartment they've moved out of their house they've got nowhere to go And if they figured, you know, the longest case scenario was four to six weeks for an eviction, they can't find another house and buy it and be moved in in that time. Right. I guess 
some emotional part of me would just be like, oh, I don't know if I want to be involved in any of this. Like, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. But I make decisions very differently than you do. <laughs> well, and I, I, I don't know how I would feel in that situation. Like right now I'm thinking like, well, it didn't really have anything to do even with the woman they're buying the house from. It didn't necessarily have anything to do with the house other than it was empty. If we live here, it's not empty. And now if there is a real guy in Texas, he knows we're on to him. So he's going to move on to a different house. And if it's the people that were just evicted, they know we're on to them. (laughs) And you know, like, yeah, the chances of it happening are none. Yeah. No, it's very true. It's very yeah. true. But still. Yeah, it'd be weird. I don't know. It would be weird. So there we go. Wow. Lots of people where they shouldn't be. Right. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I just, I, I'm questioning myself. Because your story makes me matter than my story, maybe. <laughs> my story upset me, but like I have a visceral reaction to this. Yeah. Uh, awesome. So, um, Diana, in all of this, have we learned anything? Do you have any advice for us? I do. I'm ready. Lay off the math. Nice. So, uh, Liam and I were driving around yesterday, and we were listening to an episode of Sawbones, and it was about rock medicine, which I thought might be mm-hmm. about like medicine involving rocks, and was not. It, was it about math? No, it was about um, an organization called Rock Medicine. So when you go to like concerts or festivals, and you see the medical tent, it is more than oh, likely okay. run by Rock Medicine which came out of the f- one of the first, if not the first, free clinic in the nation, which was started in San Francisco during the Summer of Love because they were worried that all the people that were coming into San Francisco were going to like have bad trips and need somewhere to hang out where, where all that was yeah. happening. So Liam and I had a very deep discussion about LSD. And because <laughs> I maybe should have vetted this one a little bit more before letting my nine-year-old listen to it. Right. And so we're talking about LSD and, and what it is and what it does. And he's like, why do people take it? And I said, well, I hear it's awesome. <laughs> so you said this to your nine-year-old? Yeah. <laughs> mm. No, I think what I said is um, people like it. Like, they enjoy the experience. Right, right. People think it's awesome. Yeah, no, they enjoy the experience. Um. But so then I started thinking about just in case it came up like other drugs and a lot of other drugs I can justify as like there's fun to them or, you know, they make you feel a certain way or something like meth just seems all yeah. shitty. Um, is meth a super productive? It is, but there are better ways to get that. Oh, a hundred percent. The other one I don't get is bath salts. No, that sounds horrible. Like I've never horrifying. heard of anyone enjoying bath salts. No, bath salts sound terrible. Um, but yeah, like I enjoy getting a good day's worth of shit done. But meth just sounds unpleasant. Yeah, I'm not sure that that um, 
counts as getting a good day's worth of no, shit No, 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 no. <laughs> it certainly isn't worth no. it. No. So, so that's my, my advice this week. Lay off the math. Fair. I'll take it. Yeah. Um, before I give my usual here, I would like to shout out to listener Trina. I saw what you did there. Call your people. Call your people. And don't end up on next week's episode. <laughs>